The cost of war is dear. As Tommy's grandmother learns in chapter four of The Sweet Ride. The day slipped by, the weekend came, and he went to church with his family. Trinity Methodist Church was a beautiful building. His grandmother, Marie, was the vice president of the women's group in the church, and his grandfather served as an usher. His mother had grown up in the congregation, attending Sunday school, and sang in the children's and adult choirs. They had wanted Tommy to go to Sunday school, but he said that he had no desire to do so. They had to be content with the fact that he was at least attending the 11 a.m. service with them. His mother and grandmother had discussed ordering him to attend Sunday school because they thought that it might help him work through his anger at losing his dad. But his grandfather had stepped in and said, absolutely not. When the boy was ready, he would make that decision himself. The pastor of the church was Mason Cambridge. He was in his early 40s, and his wife, Jocelyn, was the choir director. They did not have children, but both of them were also active in Sunday school. Jocelyn taught the middle school kids, and Pastor Cambridge led the high school group. The church also had an assistant pastor, Mark Owens, who led the adult Sunday school. The elementary school children were taught by Marge Hendricks, who was also a fifth-grade teacher in the local school system. Marie Conover had discussed her grandson with the pastor and what could be done to help him open up and talk about what he refused to speak about regarding his father. But Pastor Cambridge had adeptive knowledge about such things gained when he had served as a chaplain in the U.S. Army. Marie, you need to go slow here. Healing takes time. Tom's obviously hurting gravely. But if I try to come on to him too soon, he will reject me and the church and stop coming altogether. Are you sure about this? Marie asked. Trust me. Losing the whole center of your life is devastating. Tom needs time. He should not be pushed. He has a strong mind, but even the strongest person can be broken when they lose someone they love. His dad was extraordinary. No man ever loved his family more than Tom Burke. He loved his country, too. I was trained in psychology, and I've dealt with the family members of soldiers many times. Everyone's unique. I know Tommy well enough to know that he's like his dad in many ways. Yes, he looks like him, and he even stands like him. But he's only 14 years old. His silence is the loudest thing in our house. He's hurting. And I want to make that hurt go away, Marie said, with tears in her eyes. Pastor Cambridge reached out and gently took her hand in his. The Tom Burke I knew was a warrior. All of the people who go over there are warriors. If they're not totally warriors when they first get there, when they come home, they are people who have witnessed things that most people never see. Some of them are terribly hurt physically and others are hurt mentally. PTSD can be overwhelming. The suicide rate among them is awful. We're only beginning to learn how to deal with it effectively in this country. They love their country, but the cost of their service can be incredible in pain and suffering. Tom Burke had seen more than enough to be at peace with who he was, 
He was able to separate good and evil. He understood both. His love for God and Jesus was unshakable. His son is like him. In time, Tommy will mend. I've watched him since he was a little child. He works things out on his own. It's not pride, it's simply the way he processes stuff. He's angry at God. He doesn't yet understand why his father had to die. I know. Years ago, I was so angry at God that I didn't speak with him for three years. I left the army because of an incident. Two of my best friends had been killed right next to me. I couldn't accept it. For three years, all I did was feel sorry for myself. I took a job as a laborer with a construction firm. The work was backbreaking, but I did it well. I was filled with rage. Nobody knew that I had been a member of the clergy. I certainly didn't act like it. Men who work in construction have a very colorful vocabulary. I cursed and swore with the best of them. We were building a new library in a small town in Florida. I'm a reader, so I would often go to the old library on Saturdays to spend time. I lived alone in a rented room in the home of an older couple, and I had time on my hands when I wasn't at work. My idea of a good time was to get away from everybody and read for a couple of hours. One Saturday I looked up and saw Jocelyn on the other side of the table. She was reading a children's novel that I had read the month before. It was about four children who go into another world. I had liked the novel a lot. By the end of it, I realized that the author had played a trick on me. The story's called The Forest at the End of the World. The characters the children meet in the book are incredible. The trick is that the real message of the book is hidden within a riddle and the meaning of the riddle is that things are not always as they appear to be. On impulse, I asked her what she thought of the book. We introduced ourselves, and I left the library with her, so we wouldn't bother the other patrons. We went to a little park next to the library, found a bench, and discussed the book for an hour. It turned out that she had read the book before, and that she was reading it again. She told me that it was part of a trilogy. I hadn't known about the other two books. Jocelyn invited me to church on Sunday. She attended a Christian and Missionary Alliance church at the edge of town. I had been wandering in the wilderness of my life for over three years. I had not been inside a church in all that time. I sat for a long moment. She was beautiful. She was fun to talk to. She had no idea that she was sitting with a man who had become a roaring monster and walked away from God. I didn't know how to respond to her. I had no intention of going to church. My anger had not left me in three years. My friends had died needlessly to my mind, and I wanted nothing to do with him. She must have seen the pain in my face and sensed my agony. This woman, who was a stranger, placed her hand on mine and said, It's time to go home, Mason. He sent me to you today. He's never made a mistake. You belong to him. 
he purchased you with the greatest price anyone has ever paid, his son. Tell me your story. Share your life with me, and I will share mine as well. He's no stranger to pain, for his was the greatest pain anyone could feel. I consider myself a strong man, Marie, but I cried like a child in front of this woman. I wept for all the hurts and the rage, the lonely hours, all the lost time of those years. She sat patiently and heard my story, and then she asked me again to come to her church on Sunday. We met at the door that day, and the pastor said something from the pulpit that I've carried with me ever since that morning. He said that when we pray for something that we do not receive, it's sometimes because he has something far better for us that he wants to give to us. I went to the library and got the other two books in the trilogy. The second one is titled The Ocean at the Edge of Forever, and the third is The Mountain of the King. When I finished reading the last chapter of the third book, I knew what had happened to my friend, and I understood fully what happens to those who love God. Jocelyn and I were married six months later, and I returned to the ministry. I'm here in this church today because a stranger reached out to me, took my hand in hers, and showed me the love of God. I understand where Tommy is because I've been there. I've never shared any of this with anyone here, but now I've shared it with you. Sometimes we need to be broken before we can be mended properly. Marie Conover's eyes were shining as her pastor finished his story. Now I understand why you don't want to push Tommy. He's like his father, strong, quiet, steady, and fragile. A boy who has lost such a father is in a terribly vulnerable place. Thank you for telling me your story. Each person, each family, has its own triumphs and failures. I'm his grandmother, but I am not his mother. I want the best for him, and I know God has him in his hands. You're telling me to trust the Lord. I'll do just that. Thank you for listening to me, Marie. It means the world to me to be able to share my life with you. Rest assured that no one can better understand a boy who has lost his father than a father who has lost his son. Our Lord did just that so we could be healed of all the ills of the earth. He knows your heart, and Tommy's too. When the time is right, I'll speak to him. Remember, God's ways are not our ways, and his thoughts are not our thoughts. He sees things we don't see, and when we become aware of him, everything in life changes for the better. Marie smiled. When you get to be my age, you're supposedly to have more patience and wisdom. In my case, that's not true. I just worry about him and my daughter. I want both of them to be all right. They've given more to this country than the vast majority of our people will ever know. We take our freedom for granted. If it wasn't for men like my son-in-law, our freedom would have disappeared long ago. Pastor Cambridge said, 
If we don't figure out how to teach our young people the value of sacrifice, respect, and love for our nation, we won't have much of a future. Tom Burke knew it. He gave his life for it. The selfishness of today's youth is frightening. However, Tommy isn't like others. He knows what his father did. He understands far more than so many his age. To quote someone far wiser than I will ever be, this too shall pass. Give him time. He will heal.